Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's splendid satirical saunter down memory lane to those thrilling days of yesteryear, Throwing Shade. Remember, if you love the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash EFCT and become a subscriber for shoutouts. Access to bloopers, exclusive interviews, sweet, sweet merchandise, and much more. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Throwing Shade. There is a darkness in the minds of men. A darkness in their hearts. A darkness in a room with no lights. And who knows that darkness... The Shade Knows. By day, Theodore Rockwell is a go get reporter for the Chicago Gazette-Times-Herald. Though lately, he hasn't been that go get of a reporter. I mean, when's the last time the man was even at his job? Oh, right. Speaking of jobs, I should try to keep mine. But by night, he becomes The Shade. Using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, he, assisted by his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, who is the mysterious female vigilante, the vamp, defends the downtrodden and fights the forces of evil. But can one man defend the innocent from the scourge of Chicago's underbelly? Find out in this week's thrilling conclusion to Throwing Shade, We Haberdasher Intrigue. And much to everyone's surprise, releasing a cat food and a sausage product from the same factory was an ill-fated idea. So, we say goodbye to Norman's hot dogs. Though they were a well-loved product, some bigwig got the grand idea to actually inspect their factory. And well, let's just say that what they found was enough to put both Norman's and Mr. Mittens out of business. So now, with open hearts and hesitant minds, we would like to welcome, well, would you look at that, the Haberdasher Society of Chicago. Styling hats, accessories, and men's exteriors since 1871. Also brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater, bringing you high-quality 1930s radio-style satire since we had plots that actually made sense. Previously on Throwing Shade. Viva la Escobar! And now on to our story. Act 3, Scene 1, House of Shame. The criminal organization feels a little fried, frankly. With the haberdasher's gala quickly approaching, Shame had gathered their poultry ranks to plot their next move. Boy, these ranks sure seem poultry. Why do you always have to be so negative? I'm just saying, we can't take over the whole city with just a handful of members. Not with that attitude. Thank goodness. I thought I would never get away from that broom. Edmund, 
Look, it's Edmund Pillory. <laughs> Still feeling pessimistic? Yeah, the city will surely fall now. Rejoice. Oh, ye of little faith. You see, Edmund Pillory, but I am actually... <gasps> Edgar Allen? <gasps> no, it's Edwin Groot. You're both wrong, for I am actually... Ed Greasy? Nah, it's Eddie Green. Sorry, you know, after a while you just lose track of how many masks you are wearing. I am, in actuality... Frank, Frank Fry? Yes, it is I, Frank Fry, Lieutenant of Shame. What are you doing here? Last I heard, you were squealing to the cops. Yeah. You ran off and left us after that debacle in the Chicago theater. You got some nerve showing all your faces here again. Brothers, sisters, allow me to explain. While it is true that the events at the Chicago theater were a bit of a setback, rest assured that everything is still going according to plan. All I did was point the police toward a highly expendable shill. Andrew Cunahay was more than a shell. He had a lot of cash. I ain't been paid in weeks. And our free supply of sausages dried up, too. Be that as it may, the true leaders behind shame are still very much in charge, and we are moving toward our ultimate goal. And this weekend, I can assure you, this city will be ours. Oh, you had a great position inside the police station in City Hall, but they found you out. Frank, you know I always try to look on the bright side. We know, we know. But it does seem like our plans are like a baked potato. What? Foiled. Relax. Our work with Police Chief Cannoli and Mayor Crane was merely laying the foundation. The real work comes this weekend at the Haberdasher's Gala. Who what now? We will deliver the master stroke to Mayor Crane during his keynote speech at the Haberdasher's Gala. Frank, how can we? The Haberdasher's Gala is the biggest social event of the year. He's right. Security will be tighter than a CEO's wallet. And we don't have the numbers to pull off anything on that scale. Fret not, friends. We are not without resources, even in the rarefied air of the haberdasher community. But I agree. To do this correctly, we will need more agents, for we must ensure that Mayor Crane's keynote speech is so embarrassing that he will never be able to win the election. What, so we can get that bleeding heart crookshank? How's that an improvement? I'm sorry, have you forgotten the shame, Mato? Don't, Don't ask, ask questions. questions. It's, it's embarrassing. embarrassing. Exactly. Now, instead of trying to think above your pay grade, I want the two of you to recruit us some new agents. Go, spread shame everywhere. And just how are we going to do that when our cash cow is in the stir? 
Do I have to do everything? You emphasize the benefits. He's right. We still have a very competitive dental program. Exactly. And don't forget vacation time. Those days roll over every year. Well, when you put it like that... See? I told you there's a silver lining to everything. Stop being so positive. It's embarrassing. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Scene 2. Our Gangsters. Shame gets some surprising new members. Later that day, there came a knock on the door of the secret headquarters of Shame. This was, of course, highly unusual. A knock on the door of our secret headquarters? That's highly unusual. Told you. Frank Fry cautiously approached the door. Yes? Yeah, we're here to sign up with Shane. What? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we saw your flyer in the library, and it told us if we wanted to join Shane, we should come here. It was really specific. Flyer? What flyer? The one that says you need people to help embarrass Mayor Crane at the Haberdasher's Gala. What? Herb! Yeah, Frank? Did you put up a flyer in the library telling people we wanted to recruit shame agents to embarrass the mayor at the Haberdasher's Gala? Oh, oh somebody found it. Excellent. <laughs> what is the matter with you? What? Was that not what you wanted? I can't. I mean, why would you... Why didn't I become a plumber like my mother wanted me to? Did Herb tell you about the flyer? How could you let him do that, Woodrow? Don't blame me. I told him not to put it in the library. The fellows we want ain't literate. Then what good would a flyer do? I told you to use pictures. Hey, are you going to let us in or not? This is a shifty neighborhood, and my sweetheart... Not your sweetheart. ...is getting nervous. Sure, I'm the one getting nervous. I'm not worried. Then why are you shaking? Calisthenics. I thought you were a pescatalian. Can you let us in? Yelling through the door really seems to counteract the whole secret part of your secret hideout. She got a point, Frank. We really need to be more secretive. Stop talking, Herb. Okay, get in here before anybody sees you. Howdy. Say hello to your new recruits. They're kids. Well, at least they don't take up much space. You numbskulls! These are the kids that helped the Shade and the Vamp at the Chicago Theater. I thought they looked familiar. Nice to see you again. What's wrong with you? They're probably spies. Hey, Woodrow, I'm the lieutenant, remember? All right, sorry. 
What's wrong with you? They're probably spies. You can definitely understand how it might look like that. Yeah, it's a very astute observation. No one said anything about tootin'. It means smart, which is something you'd know nothing about. But we're on your side. Yeah, after all that help we gave the Shade and the Vamp, we didn't get any credit. Not even a thank you. They don't pay any attention to us. Well, nobody ever pays attention to me. What? Told you. They didn't even believe us when we told them it was you behind the whole thing with Bobo. You knew it was us? Oh. Oh. You told me nobody would suspect us. Come on, bears don't wear clothes. Oh. Why did you put clothes on him? It wouldn't have been decent otherwise. Oh, for crying out. May I? Be my guest. Oh. You know what, fellas? I'm not sure we should sign up. These guys don't seem organized enough to embarrass the mayor. All right, everybody. You heard my Not girlfriend. Not your girlfriend. Let's amscray. Wait. I will have you know that we plan on delivering the coup de gray to the mayor this weekend at the Haberdasher's Gala. What does running around with a bunch of hammers have to do with the mayor? I want to know why he's delivering a trap pigeon. Ignore them. I do. The Haberdasher's Gala is the society event of the year. Whoever they support almost automatically wins the election. It's like they say, as the Haberdashers go, so does Chicago. How do you know that? People talk around shoeshine boys like we ain't there, which is why I know the event this year is short-staffed. It was at that moment that Frank Fry, the lieutenant of shame, had an idea. I have an idea. What? Shane is going to keep this year's gala short-staffed, and that will ensure our victory. We'll return to throwing shade. We haberdasher intrigue in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. Friends... Do you need some help accessorizing in the milieu of eclectic styles out today? Then look no further than the Chicago Haberdasher Society. They're here for you when you find yourself simply helpless acclimating to a muddle of eccentric tastes. Offering a wide variety of hats, including Stetson, Hamburg, Akubra, and Montera. Egad, that's a lot of hats. Our sunglasses are handmade by American makers, equipping you with the best quality imaginable. So hurry apace to Michigan and Erie to get such heavenly accoutrement. Even mothers will exult. The Chicago Haberdasher Society. Stylish haberdashery, accurately made. Excelsior! And now, back to our story. Act 4, Scene 1. Top Hat and Tall Tales. 
Our heroes get ready for the gala. The day of the gala dawned bright and clear, and across the city of Chicago, everyone was getting ready. Natasha Hadanov prepared her hidden weaponry. In Soviet Russia, nails polish you. Ian Flemish pressed his top-secret world-saving tuxedo. Villains always fall before a well-creased trouser leg. Rosa Honeysuckle helped Mayor Crane polish his speech for that evening. Mayor Crane, what do you have so far? My fellow Chicagoans, haberdashers, dignitaries, honored guests, celebrities, members of the press, captains of industry, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Does he? I figured they'd all be asleep by then. And Theo and Wednesday went to work in the offices of the Chicago Gazette Times Herald. Shouldn't we be preparing for tonight? There's so many moving pieces to this thing, I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it. Trust me, folks, so are our writers. I know. But if we don't at least check in, Clemens will not be happy. Is he ever happy? Well, that's beside the point. Rockwell, morning! Get in here! Yes, Chief? I was just curious. Do you two still work here? Of course we do, Mr. Clemens. Well, you could have fooled me. I haven't seen a story from you two in ages. Well, we've been chasing down leads, Chief. Oh, yeah? Like what? We're looking into who C.H. Robertson might be. You are? We are? I mean, we are. We discovered three C.H. Robertsons in Chicago, but only one seems like a good match for Shane. Who is he? Yeah, who is he? I mean, we'll tell you who he is. We don't know much, but we do know he's well-connected to the local haberdashers union. He is? He is? I mean, he is! Which means he'll be at the Haberdashers Gala tonight. Where the mayor is giving the keynote speech. If shame strikes there, Crane's finished. You know what they say. As, As the, the Haberdashers, Haberdashers go, go, so goes Chicago. Go Chicago. So goes Chicago. To be fair, I've never heard that before. But Theo and I are going to be there tonight to see what happens and perhaps even uncover the leader of shame. You are? We are? Oh, right. I knew that one. Mm -hmm. All right, but you better bring me something good. You've still got an unauthorized vacation to make up for. Don't worry, Chief. You'll definitely get a story worthy of a front page. I better. Now get out there and get me that story. Wednesday, when did you do all that research into C.H. Robertson? I didn't. What? Then how did you know? I made it up. Wednesday. We needed some breathing room. I even had Wally Winchell look into it, and he came up empty. It's like this man doesn't exist. Wednesday, you're brilliant. Obviously. But what makes you say that now? What if C.H. Robertson doesn't exist? Did you hit your head? I've told you before, ceiling fans are not rides. They will not hold your weight, Theo. No. 
And that's only because I haven't found the right amount of reinforcement yet. All right. But what I meant was, what if it's an alias or a code? Theo, that's not a horrible idea. Yeah. Wednesday pulled out the piece of paper that Wally Winchell and Mr. Clemens had found. The fix is in C.H. Robertson. What kind of code is that? Well, the fix must refer to the election, and maybe C.H. Robertson isn't a name, but a word. Robertson. Huh. Robertson? Oh, this makes no sense. Are we sure it says Robertson? It's all smudged. For the last time, it is not Rudder wins. All right, but it does look a little like... Why are you two still here? You're supposed to be out there saving your jobs. I ain't paying you to chew the fat. Now get moving. He's right. We better get going. I still have to get ready. I'm not happy with the idea of you making up a twosome with Ian Flemish. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you were jealous. Inside, I'm laughing. I'm just concerned about you. I can handle Ian. I'm more worried about him handling you. What? Nothing. Do we have any idea how Natasha's getting in? My hope is she won't, and that'll be one less thing to worry about. Hopefully, the Shade will be able to find out what's going on behind the scenes. Just keep it discreet and subtle. I shall be my usual epitome of stealth and secrecy. Hmm, that's what I'm afraid of. What? Nothing. Uh, come on, let's shake a leg. <coughs> what happened? It's really hard to walk while doing that. I... Scene 2. That's an amazing writing implement. That's right, it's the penultimate scene. Finally, the evening of the Haberdashers' Gala arrived. Spotlights illuminated the massive Haberdashers' Hall, emblazoned with their motto, Stylish Haberdashery Accurately Made, Excelsior! The cream of society gathered for what was sure to be not only the most incredible social event of the season, but also the most important political event of the election. Mayor Crane was outwardly calm as he greeted people, but inside he was feeling something unexpected. Rosa, I'm feeling something unexpected. I told you to take it easy on the jalapenos at lunch. No, I mean I'm feeling an emotion I've never felt before. And only you can help me. I, me? I don't get paid enough for this. Look, Mr. Mayor, I'm very happy with Fernando, and I... I am completely overcome with nerves. What? Why? I've never written my own speech before, and I don't want anything to happen that'll hand the election to... Hello, Mr. Mayor. Eugene Gumper's Crikeshank. I'm looking forward to your concession speech this evening. If that's what you're expecting, you are going to be disappointed. Exactly. I will have you know I make no mention of refreshments whatsoever. I just meal. <laughs> Crane, I want to thank you for making this so easy. See you later. That could have gone better. 
pardon me, but would use like a horsey dover? Who said that? Me, down here, your waiter. Oh my. I know they said the event was short-staffed, but this is ridiculous. That's a good one that I definitely ain't heard 25 times already. Now, you want a horsey dover or not? Or dove. Okay, you want a horsey dover or dove? That's not... Mayor, just take the pequeño camarero's canopy. Canopy. That's okay. They're free. Meanwhile, at the entrance, Ian Flemish and Wednesday morning were surveying the scene. Who was at the table over there? Oh, no one, my dear. Those are the Indiana haberdashers. We don't associate with them. Well, Wednesday were surveying the scene. Ian, on the other hand... I must say, Miss Morning, you look stunning. What an interesting outfit. Thanks. It has pockets. The typewriter does seem a tad out of place, I must admit. Really? It's my formal typewriter. Touché. Good evening. Would you like a tiny piece of food made out of things you wouldn't normally want to eat? Arugula? No, it appears to be caramelized Brussels sprouts stuffed with pâté. What are you typing? Sorry, Ian, but even that tuxedo can't save you from these demerits. Arugula, what are you doing here? We're undercover. It was old Carla's idea, you know, my girlfriend. I didn't like your girlfriend, but it was my idea. She figured if we joined up, we'd figure out what they're up to and stop it. That is pretty smart. Yeah, she's amazing. That's why she's my girlfriend. I'm not your girlfriend, but feel free to continue complimenting me. What have you learned? Nothing. They told us to dress as waiters and keep an eye on out for the shade and the vamp, but that's it. They ignore us as much as you do. We don't ignore you. Right, Ian? Ian? Sorry, these Brussels sprouts are amazing. Try one? This evening is not going the way I expected. Arugula, if you do find anything out, let me know. I promise I will listen. Will do, Miss Morning. I gotta go get back to Carla. She gets lonely if I'm gone too long. No, I don't. Ain't she great? Come on, Ian. Shame is definitely up to something. The best thing we can do is alert the Haberdasher High Command. Excuse me, but I could have sworn you just said the Haberdasher High Command. I did. It's the ruling body of the Haberdasher Society. Of course it is. He who controls the cufflinks controls the world. Come along. As Wednesday morning got pulled deeper into the Haberdasher's inner sanctum, outside, a dark figure was crawling up the side of the building like a cat. An old, overweight cat. 
with only three legs. And only one eye. I have got to lay off the Dinkle sugar cookies. Finding an open window on the top floor, the shade made his way inside. The lighting in the hallway was quite low. The lighting in this hallway is quite low. Perfect. I should be able to remain completely unnoticed. Hey there, Shade. I've been getting that reaction a lot tonight. Want a tiny hot dog and puff pastry? Semolina, what are you doing here? And why are you dressed like a waiter? Semolina filled the shade in on the children's plan. Cunning. But why are you up here in this darkened hallway? I was told to bring some tiny hot dogs and puff pastry up to a bunch of rich people in an office. Which office? I'm guessing it's the one with the voices coming from behind the door. Well spotted, Semolina. You're a credit to your... My what? Age. I'll check it out. Where are you going? I'm coming with you. These folks may be villains, but they're really good tippers. Where's that kid with the tiny hot dogs and puff pastry? You just can't get good fake help these days. Look out! It's the shade! What? Why, you... I knew it! Get him, boys! Daggers of darkness, fly! The scar-faced thug turned to see what had happened to his cat, giving the shade time to send him to dreamland. But then the other three thugs were on him. The shade battled on, using a unique blend of manners. I say, you wouldn't hit a fellow with glasses, would you? Distraction. Keep your eyes on the watch. You're getting very sleepy. And good old-fashioned flailing. (laughs) Which kept all the villains' attention on him until... Semolina, what took you so long? I had to eat all those tiny hot dogs and puff pastry. I told them you kids couldn't be trusted, but you won't thwart our plans. I'll warn everyone. He's too fast, and I'm fresh out of daggers of darkness. Allow me. Good work, Semo. This building is taller than it looks. Try climbing it.
You think he's going to be okay? Oh, definitely. He's sturdy. Looks like Frank's had one too many. Rich people are really good at ignoring things. Let's see what nefarious plots these reprobates have been up to. The Shade and Semolina entered the office to find... Oh. My. Downstairs, Wednesday morning and Ian Flemish were on the lookout for members of the Haberdasher High Command. we were on the lookout for members of the Haberdasher High Command. We are. And the best way to do that is by waltzing. All work and no play, my dear. You dance divinely. Surprising, considering the typewriter. Can we get back to work, please? Very well, but I must insist you allow me to buy you a drink. Wow. That is one impressive bar. It was shipped over piece by piece from darkest Kentucky. What'll you have? I'm buying so splurge. It's an open bar. It's the thought that counts. Ah. <clears throat> I'll, um, have a gin and tonic. Hold the tonic. Ooh, I like it. Bartender? Chase, how may I inebriate you? Had enough! Then why did you call me over here? Natasha, how did you... Very, very easy. This event was short-staffed. Yes, I've seen the waiters. I have had extensive drink-mixing experience in Soviet Russia, so they hire me immediately. There is no need for you to be here. I have the situation well in hand. Looks like Frank's had one too many. Ian, that's Frank Fry. All more reason to seek out the Haberdasher High Command. And for you to stay out of my way, Natasha. Before you go, Flemish, allow me to give you a drink to show you there's no hard feelings. On the house. It's an open bar. Is thought that counts. Here. I usually prefer a martini bruised, not broken. But who can say no to champagne? Excellent. Let us go, Wednesday. Time to find the... The Haberdashi Haik... I mean, the Huberdash Haik... The Humpering Haik Haik Powder. Ian, what's wrong? <laughs> In Soviet Russia, champagne pumps you. Why would you do that? He is insufferable oaf in overpriced suit. I am Soviet spy and therefore have no love for British so-called intelligence. But mostly because he was going to spill the fazul to Haberdasher High Command, which is front for shame. How do you know? Their motto 
stylish haberdashery accurately made Excelsior. Of course, the first letters of all those words spells shame. Huh. So it does. I never noticed. Then how did you... It's highly embarrassing motto, but mostly because the members of Haberdashery High Command were talking about it while I served them drinks. Come, let us find out why Frank Fry fell down the stairs. At the top of the stairs... Whew! This building is taller than it looks. Wednesday and Natasha heard a most disturbing sound coming from one of the offices. That is most disturbing. Be careful. Could be very dangerous. How could that be dangerous? In Soviet Russia, wind breaks you. Of course. Creeping toward the office, Natasha and Wednesday craned their necks around the open door, and what they saw stopped them in their tracks. Oh, my! Shvetaya Molly! Natasha, Wednesday, come on in. There are still a few whoopee cushions left. This reminds me of my house after Sunday dinner. Oh? Granny likes her beans. What are you two doing? Would you believe foiling shame? Is their plan involved podushkas? No, whoopee cushions. After stopping Frank Fry and his goons, we discovered this cache of rudeness. Now they won't be able to implement these during Crane's speech. That seems a bit juvenile, even for shame. I agree. He's most anticlimactic. What's wrong, Natasha? Are you feeling... Deflated. Hit him with typewriter. One thing I don't understand is why they told us kids we were the most important part of the plan. They didn't tell us nothing about whoopee cushions. Did you search the room? We were... Working. For the love of Pete. Who's Pete? Let's just search the room. Downstairs, Rosa Honeysuckle was concerned. I am concerned. At this point, it's almost gratuitous. I can't even get angry anymore. About what? I believe something nefarious is going on. One man has already fallen down the stairs, and that British spy, Ian Flemish, has passed out at the bar. You've obviously not attended many high-class societal functions. And besides, the British are terrible drunks. Mr. Mayor, that is a terrible generalization. On the contrary, I'd say it's an excellent generalization. I am concerned about one thing, though. What? I'm famished. And I haven't seen one of those undersized waiters in a dog's age. I was very much looking forward to tiny hot dogs and puff pastry. In an example of irony that is almost too perfect to be natural, at that very moment, two young waiters were being given very specific directions. 
All right, kid, listen up. This is very important. I need you to take this tray of tiny hot dogs and puff pastry over to the mayor. Don't stop for nobody. Don't talk to nobody. Just get these straight to the mayor. Got it? You got it. Finally, food that makes sense. All right, kid, listen up. This is very important. I need you to take this tray of tiny hot dogs and puff pastry to Alderman Crookshank. Don't stop for nobody. Don't talk to nobody. Just get these straight to Crookshank. Got it? You can count on me, sir. And thank you for the honor. It'll really impress my sweetheart. Ba-ba-boom! The two pint-sized waiters took off toward their respective charges, who just happened to be on opposite sides of the hall. Unfortunately, they weren't looking where they were going. Hey! Watch where you're going, numbskull! Me? Watch where you're going! You ruined my tray of tiny hot dogs and puff pastry! Look what you did to my tray of tiny hot dogs and puff pastries. I ought to knock your block off. You're just lucky my girlfriend girlfriend. hates the sight of blood. Actually, I find the sight of two gentlemen pummeling each other quite thrilling. Um, well, then you're lucky that I have to get tiny hot dogs and puff pastry off the floor and over to Alderman Crookshank, toot sweet. Jumpin' Jehoshaphat, I gotta get my tiny hot dogs and puff pastry off the floor and over to the mayor lickety-split. Forgetting their animosity, the two boys grabbed their snacks off the floor and hot-footed it over to their respective sides of the hall. Here you go, Alderman Cookshank. Meanwhile, upstairs... I hope y'all are keeping up. I'm getting tired trying to keep all this straight. Our heroes were searching for clues. Mostly. I found something. What? Something called Super Secret Plan for Embarrassing Everyone and Taking Over. Seriously? How did we not stop these people earlier? Let me see that. It's a list of all the incidents that have happened both here and around the world, along with the ultimate plan for taking over Chicago. Quote, By following the plan below, we will unseat Crane and take over C.H. Unquote. Wait, so that means C.H. isn't a person. Exactly. Ow! I've got it! So why did you smack my forehead if you had an idea? Force of habit. Fair enough. C.H. must stand for City Hall. Oh, but this doesn't make any sense. It's just equations. The words tiny hot dogs and victory for Robertson. You sure that says Robertson? The handwriting looks kind of smudged. Looks like rubber skins. No, it's more like roller spins. Are we sure it's not rudder winds? Oh, for the last time, it's not. <gasps> Wait! Oh, all right, it's not rudder winds. No, I just realized it doesn't say Robertson, it says Robbershin. Oh. oh. oh yeah, see. Well, that 
makes no sense at all. That makes less sense than these equations. Equations make perfect sense. They do? Of course. I take much chemistry in Soviet Russia. The same place you study drink mixing? I neither confirm nor deny. They're planning on putting something into these tiny hot dogs in puff pastry. If I remember my noxious liquids class correctly... I gotta say, you are one scary lady. Thank you, tiny capitalist puppet. They have concocted a potion that will either poison the mayor... (gasps) Or give him horrible case of how you say... It's hard to say. These people have terrible handwriting. Whatever it is, we have to stop them. Natasha, you and Semolina go downstairs and check the kitchen. Maybe we can stop them before they put the poison into the food. The Shade and I will do what we can to protect the mayor. Come, tiny member of this proletariat. We will put a stop to nefarious plan. In Soviet Russia, food serves you. Man. I have one seriously messed up childhood. Come on, Shade. You and the vamp need to find the mayor before anything happens to him. You're changing into the vamp? Why? Aside from the fact that that outfit is more stylish, it also has significantly more pockets. And I have a feeling we're going to need them. Come on! Wednesday morning quickly changed into the attractive, yet functional, clothing of the vamp. And she and the shade headed out to protect the mayor. So hold on. Right now we've got Frank Fry still out cold at the foot of the stairs, Ian Flemish snoring away at the bar, Natasha and Semolina in the kitchen. Hello, I'm the head porter, Dinah. Who is that with you? Oh, just someone. Why has he got a banjo? No reason. Wow, so that just happened. Anyway, the mayor and Eugene Gompers Crickshank are at opposite ends of the hall, each being given tiny hot dogs in puff pastry by Spunky and Arugula, respectively, and the shade and the vamp have arrived at the balcony overlooking the entire lower floor. Ooh, I'm telling you, they really need to stick the scenes with only two to three people. Mr. Mayor, I got some grub for you. Finally, I'd hate to give my speech on an empty stomach. I told you, Jukura had dinner with me before we came. Rosa, while I am trying to embrace the wonders of different cultures... I'm not eating something called menudo. It sounds like a singing group. Mr. Mayor, nobody would ever name a singing group menudo. Regardless, nothing beats tiny hot dogs in puff pastry. As the mayor reached for that seemingly innocent tiny hot dog in puff pastry, for the shade and the vamp, everything seemed to shift to slow motion. No, don't. Why are you talking like that? 
The shade leapt from the balcony to one of the massive banners hanging from the ceiling, planning on swinging down to rescue the mayor. However, since he tried to leap in slow motion, he missed it completely. Luckily, the band broke his fall. I'm all right. I'm all right. Despite the brilliant distraction, the shade was unable to stop either the mayor or Eugene Gomper's crookshank from eating several tiny hot dogs and puff pastry. The vamp? That is quite the impressive entrance. A shame you can't be that graceful when it comes to my windows. You're never going to let that go, are you? What's the problem? Mr. Mayor, I think those tiny hot dogs and puff pastry have been poisoned. Poison? It's not poison. The kitchen staff confessed is only drug. They wouldn't say what it does. But they did say it would be embarrassing. Mr. Mayor, you cannot give your speech. You cannot risk any more embarrassment. I agree. We can't let shame win City Hall. I shall not be intimidated by a bunch of juvenile pranksters. I'm giving my speech. I fully agree, Mr. Mayor. I think it's an excellent idea. Nevertheless, I'm still going through with it. Attention, attention. If I can please have everyone's attention. My fellow Chicagoans, friends, guests, esteemed haberdashers, members of the press, celebrities, luminaries. That's a bit much, isn't it? This is the short version. I would like to take this moment to share with you my vision for the future of our fair city. A vision of progress. A vision I know differs from that of my opponent, Eugene Gompers Crook Shank. As the mayor launched into the meat of his speech, a thought struck the vamp. All right, so the vamp's thought struck the shade. I figured it out. I wish you could figure out how to hit your own forehead during an epiphany. Crookshank is the leader of shame. What? How do you figure it? Follow me and I'll show you. Oh, excellent. The shade and the vamp. Just what I need. Leave me alone. I'm enjoying some tiny hot dogs and puff pastry. It's true. He's eaten almost the entire tray. Are they good, Crookshank? Or should I say, Robber Shin? What? What? Oh. Well done, vamp. Yes, 
I'm the leader of shame. It was all me. Wait, I shouldn't be saying this. But why? You were attacking those who thought the same way you did. They weren't going far enough. This country doesn't care about equality and fairness unless you jam it down their throats. So, by humiliating those people, I could kill two birds with one stone. Get rid of people not willing to do whatever I wanted in whatever way I wanted, and get revenge on those in the status quo standing in my way by making them seem like the ones attacking poor, unfortunate do-gooders. Why am I saying this? I don't know, but it's very convenient for us. So, I humiliate do-gooders who want to listen to other people and use compromise to move the country forward and put a rich, fat cat tycoon as the face of the organization, thereby swinging sympathy over to my side, ensuring the election only goes to me. Then nothing can stop me. There will be no compromise. Only what I want, when I want it. (laughs) Why am I confessing? It's like I can't stop telling the truth. Oh no, the tiny hot dogs in puff pastry. Don't get mad, but Spunky and me, we did bump into each other and got our trays mixed up just a bit. No. He was supposed to get the tiny hot dogs in puff pastry with truth serum in them, so he would tell the truth and humiliate himself. And in conclusion, a vote for Crane is a vote for true progress. Stop clapping! I paid all of you twenty dollars to boo him! Stop clapping! All right, Crookshank, it's time to go. Never! Minions, attack! Oh, not again. A number of barely athletic types in matching bowler hats leapt into the fray. The Shade, Vamp, and Natasha battled the similarly clothed ruffians with a combination of skill, ferocity, In Soviet Russia, bartenders tip you right over the sofa. And dumb luck. I had no idea tiny hot dogs and puff pastry were so slippery. How fortunate. The malicious mountebanks were soon stymied, causing Eugene Gomper's crookshank to beat a hasty retreat. for paying me 30% less than the boys. Way to go, Carla. That's my girlfriend. She's not, not your, your girlfriend. girlfriend. It's off to the who's gal with you, Crookshank. I'm sure you and Police Chief Cannoli will have lots to talk about. Crookshank, I want to thank you. Because of you, I'll be running unopposed. Think again. Shame has a plethora of third-party candidates ready and waiting. 
I'm glad to see you haven't lost your sense of humor. I don't know what you were thinking. This is Chicago. You can't rig an election here. <laughs> Take him away. In Soviet Russia, elections rig you. Natasha, will you take Crookshank and Frank Fry to the police station? Of course. They got Flemish. Oh, yeah, now, what's the idea of smacking me upside the cabbage? Mission is over. Villains are caught. Well, excellent. I told you I could take care of it. Yes, yes. You're brilliant. Go wake up, silly lieutenant man, and we will go to police. You may have won this time, Crane, but you can't stop progress. Of course not. Progress is the natural aim of mankind. But to try to bring it about through subterfuge and skullduggery... Ooh, I like that word. Thank you. That will never work. No one can hold back progress. Wow, everybody clapped. Ah, oh, nerds. Well, it seems all's right with the city once again. And it seems I owe you and the vamp another enormous debt of gratitude. Just keep to what you said about progress, and we'll call it even. I said something about progress? See, I took notes. Oh, nerds. Act 4, Scene 3. It's like last-minute Christmas shopping. That's right, it's a wrap-up. Unsurprisingly, Mayor Crane with full endorsement of the Haberdasher Society, a groundswell of support for stopping shame, and no opponent, cruised to his largest electoral win yet. 52% of the vote. It's a landslide. Eugene Gompers Crookshank and Frank Fry were sent up the river. Crookshank was quickly moved to solitary confinement to protect him from the inmates he couldn't help but pull pranks on. Frank Fry escaped within the first week by disguising himself as a poster of Marlene Dietrich. Wait, how could he escape like that? You know what, forget I asked, let's just get to the end. The kids were officially recognized and thanked for their assistance in stopping shame causing Carla to briefly consider being Arugula's girlfriend, since he was famous. Woohoo! But then rejected, because so was she. At least 70% as famous. Ah, uh, nerds. Ian and Natasha stayed in Chicago, mostly to keep an eye on each other and keep our spinoff hopes alive. And as for Theo and Wednesday... Well, Miss Morning, we've stopped an international political scandal and brought the saboteurs to justice. You sure you want to be just mild-mannered reporters for a while? Theo, it is a lot of stress being a masked vigilante, but I must admit, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Now that's the Wednesday morning I've come to know and... Uh, and what? And fully respect on every level and also fear 
Just so slightly. Rockwell, you say the sweetest things. Rockwell, morning! Yeah, Chief? What's wrong? Aren't you happy with the story of how the Shade and the Vamp discovered the secret identity of the leader of shame and helped Maya Crane stay in City Hall? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Absolutely front-page material. Then what is it? Well, what am I supposed to do with all these Crookshank Defeats Crane papers we printed up? This has been Throwing Shade, sponsored by the Chicago Haberdasher Society. Well, we know that one's not sticking around. Throwing Shade is brought to you by Chicago's premier storefront theater, Eclectic Full Contact Theater, reminding you to stay safe and stay home. And listen to every episode of Throwing Shade. Check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash EFCT and become a monthly subscriber for exclusive access to rehearsal videos, outtakes, photos, fancy shade merchandise, and more. Plans start as low as $3 a month, so support your favorite podcast for mere pennies during the pandemic. And don't forget about our other podcasts, all part of the Eclectic Podcast Network. Deep Shadows, Bloody Bay, Cluster Monocyte, and the Half Hour Audio Hour, our monthly audio drama anthology. So there's something for everyone. Created by Sarah Siegel and Andrew Pond. Written by Andrew Pond and Kaylee Osterman. Starring the voice talents of Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Hoole, Serena Johnston, Noelle Kleiss, Kaylee Osterman, Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, Monica Safflick, and Julian Serna. Our Foley artist is Lori Iyer. Our engineer is Daniel Hoole. And I'm your narrator. Noelle Kleiss. Special thanks to Tina, Tina Shalamani. Tune in next week. Same, 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 same time. Same, same, same station. Hello, everyone. This is Andrew Pond. And I'm Jessica Lauren Fisher. You might remember us from such podcasts as... Well, this one. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank our followers on Patreon, including Karen Osterman and Cassie Russell, Mike Drugan, Lori Iyer, and our newest member, Natividad Salgado. It's thanks to your support that the shade keeps running. And falling into manholes. Quiet, you. But if you're scared of commitment, like some people I could mention... I have no idea what you're talking about. You can make a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash EFCT. Which would be appreciated. Podcasting is a cold, lonely business. You have central heating and a Snuggie. You promise never to speak of the Snuggie. Anyway, thank you again for all your support. Say goodnight, Andrew. Goodnight, Andrew. Oh, boy.